I'm Duncan McLeod, and this is TCS Plus, brought to you by Tech Central. Now, Cyber One Solutions, they're in the Tech Central studio. I'm joined by Jason O'Reilly, who is MD of Cyber One, and by Clarence Birkus, who is the company's GM for commercial sales and operations. Guys, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having thanks us. For having us. Yeah. Great. We're going to have a wide-ranging discussion today about security, and we're also going to drill down into one particular area, which I know is of particular interest to Cyber One, and uh, I think will be of particular interest as well to corporate South Africa to learn more about uh, this particular area of cybersecurity. Um, but before we go there, uh, maybe a quick refresher, Jason. Cyber One, uh, give me the elevator pitch. Ten, uh, ten seconds, what do you do? Who are your clients? Um, what's your value proposition? Absolutely. So um, very fortunate to have been in this industry for over 25 years. Um, it focuses, the business focuses primarily on managed services, mm -hmm. uh, technology sales, um, and then augmenting customer environments. Uh, the main aim of the business at the end of the day is to assist customers to really increase their resilience against cyber attacks, but most importantly, look at a proactive approach to protecting the environment. Um, and that's what we spend our days doing. Um, but at the same time, um, we rely very much on the regulator mm -hmm. to create headlines for us. We rely on our hackers to create headlines for us because, again, we're not in a highly, highly regulated environment and we're all sitting and waiting and seeing. But we've been doing it for 25 years mm -hmm. and uh, I'd like to think successfully. Yeah, and you must be very busy at the moment given uh, everything that's going on in the security uh, landscape. I think everybody's very busy. I think the, the market in our space has changed significantly. Um, you know, we used to be specialized and, you know, we're very specialized in what we do. I think what we're seeing in the market is um, a lot of new players coming through. You know, I think it's that age old thing. The, the busier the market gets, mm. the more everybody, you know, it's like bees to honey, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, our, our competition has changed. Mm -hmm. um, the, the procurement environment has changed. Um, but I think, you know, we've stuck to our guns. Well, we, you know, we specialize through our skills. We specialize to our relationships with our technologies. Um, and we want to be relevant, right? But also, I think, innovative. Sure. Um, so we, we spend a lot of time making sure we can stay ahead of, uh, of, of what we're seeing in the market. And it's certainly a dynamic industry in which, uh, which things change on almost a weekly basis, if not even a daily basis. Exactly. So a lot to keep up on. But uh, Clarence, let me bring you in here. Um, what are some of the big trends you're seeing in 2023 uh, in cybersecurity, particularly in the South African context? What are your clients talking to you about? Our clients are talking about simplicity. Mm -hmm. You know, we live in a complex world. And how can we, irrespective of the use cases that we're solving for, how do we simplify it? How do we increase the user experience? Because as we introduce innovation, we also sometimes introduce friction. Mm -hmm. And it's how do we keep things simple and provide the end user with a seamless experience. Innovation, you know, companies are not going to stop innovating with digital transformation. And with that, it brings new threat landscapes. Mm -hmm. So we have to constantly innovate, not just from a productivity perspective, but also from a security perspective. So those two, and also how do we augment? You know, we had a brief discussion about the human element of protection, but also how do we augment that with some of the new trends mm -hmm. and the hot topic being AI through means of machine right. learning. So those are some of the big trends. And as you know, you know, we start off with the year and we've got 10 to 50 new trends. We also have to retrospectively look back and say how that has affected mm -hmm. the way we live, the way we work, but also the way 
we protect our assets. Right. So those are those are some of the just high level, some of the key sure, trends sure. within the market at the sure. moment. We saw, we saw a lot, uh, Jason, last year of um, r- ransomware was in the news a lot. Um, there were some very high profile ransomware attacks in South Africa, particularly against uh, 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 government organizations. Uh, what, what are we seeing in 2023 in terms of, of threats? Is ransomware continuing to be a still, still big very, story? Yeah, still, and again, maybe not as big a story as we'd like, right? Mm-hmm. I think what we do see is the only time it becomes a good story is when somebody says, "Hey, I was, you know, I've been, I've been hit. These are my, these are the, my challenges. Your data is now on the internet." Which um, companies have to do now in terms of mm-hmm. uh, government regulation? Uh, uh, the the Papaya Act. Yeah. Yeah, I, again, kind of requires you to it's, do this. It's, right? it's very interesting, yeah. uh, and I like the way you say that because yes, they should. But I think the minute that you involve a lawyer, um, <laughs> you know, that's that's a matter of, of opinion, right? Um, so, I mean, if we take for example, I think one of the statistics I saw in the news pretty recently um, was very simply as we've seen the increase in 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 breaches. So, so the regulator came out and said we've seen the breach. You know, effectively, you know, people are highlighting the breach. Almost over a thousand companies, right? Mm-hmm. From up from five hundred last year. Mm-hmm. I, I think one of the things that we'd like to see um, is names. We'd like to understand who are those thousand companies, mm. not so that we can go and sell to them, but you know, believe it or not, fear, uncertainty, and doubt is still how some of the board executives behave. Mm. Um, use them them in, in the best and, and most constructive mm. way. But I think um, I don't think it's gone anywhere. We've seen some of these gangs uh, becoming a little bit more sophisticated, um, developing those zero zero you know day strategies better. Um, we spoke again about AI. I mean, they were using this to their advantage mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, as, you know, we're, we're trying to help customers use it to theirs. But I think all in all, uh, it's it hasn't gone anywhere. Yeah. Um, we've also seen in some of our organizations just the varying level of different attacks. So denial of service, attacking through DNS <coughs> mechanisms. Very interesting to see. Um, so it hasn't gone anywhere. I think what, what happens in the media is that, that hype, right? Mm-hmm. What happens for us is customers dealing with incident response, mm-hmm. working with them, um, and those that choose to report to the regulator. Right. Um, so it's not happening But again, all the we're, time. All, we're all sworn under NDA. So again, but <laughs> it's interesting for us. Yeah, right? for, for sure, sure, for sure. Yeah. Clarence, do you think um, South African organizations are taking information security more seriously than they did in the past? Are you seeing more proactive moves uh, to protect uh, organizations, especially in light of um, the introduction of Papaya and other legislation, GDPR and other laws around uh, information security. Are, are we seeing South African companies taking this stuff more seriously? Are they starting to uh, invest in defensive uh, tools to, yeah. to, to, to prevent yeah. uh, cyber attacks? Are, and are, are organizations taking this seriously at a boardroom level as well? So the short answer is yes, definitely an increase. And I mean, you've just said it, that cybersecurity has gone from a grudge purchase. Mm-hmm. It's now a board level item, mm-hmm. right? Your, your chief information security officers now have a seat of the, uh, at the table and mainly because of the impact of a potential breach. Yes. You know, there's regulatory impact where you pay a fine through the sharp end of, of, of the sword, mm. you know, whether it's papaya, GDPR, depending on the industry mm-hmm. that, that, that gets regulated. So yes, there's a there's a definite increase in the seriousness, the proactiveness, and also the spend. Mm. You know, when you look at the number of projects that that we get invited to mm-hmm. in terms of assisting our clients to build those defenses. Mm-hmm. So short answer, yes, definitely a, a big increase in the seriousness mm-hmm. of uh, and because of the impact. Yeah. And if I can add to that, of course. I think one of the things that we've seen is in our more mature customers, those that 
typically in the financial mm-hmm. sector, right, which generally are, you know, three to four years ahead. What's happened there is, you know, they got to the board, which was great, and that was three years ago. Now the board's going, listen, three years ago you said us this was going to get better. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. now you need to quantify. Now you need to – so the, the pressure that we're seeing in the more mature companies mm-hmm. um, and organizations is one of I'm now having to justify, I'm now having to quantify because I've done my fear, uncertainty, and doubt three years ago when I mm-hmm. walked into the boardroom. Yeah. Now the, now the members are going, hold on, hold on. No, you, you're spending more now, but we're still getting breached. Mm-hmm. So that conversation is very yeah. interesting. Um, yeah, just to add, just to, f- yeah. uh, to uh, finish that off, you know, we, we, in the world of application security, we talk about the shift left, <laughs> you know, where you yeah. now bake security into how you develop applications. Same thing with how the seriousness of, of having a more proactive mm-hmm. way in, in how, you, how you do your defenses, mm-hmm. right? is traditionally there was the innovation and then we say, okay, how do we secure what we've just innovated? Mm. But now it is as we innovate, how do we ensure that we have those defenses mm-hmm. in place? So it's, it's become, it's no longer a grudge purchase. Yes. It's become a necessity right. for and the I, business. And I think it's one of those things that, you know, I've always thought about is, you know, at the birth of the vulnerability, you know, how do we protect the organization? Mm. Um, but again, I mean, that's, mm. you know, that's why we've been in the industry for 25 years and yeah. we're getting there. So you must have had a lot of conversations <laughs> in that time with your clients about return on investment around security spend. But I imagine it's a very difficult thing to measure um, beyond the CISO being able to say to the board, we haven't been hacked, so therefore we must be doing something right. Can you actually measure a return on investment around security? Um, or is it just a case of, you know, we've protected our systems and our assets. This could have been the cost to us and it didn't happen. Yeah. Listen, I mean, and you can. I mean, you know, if you pull any governance expert into the conversation, you know, measuring the risk is extremely important. Mm -hmm. So likelihood versus capability versus, you know, all the other factors that you look at. I mean, there's a there's a a global model out there called the FAIR model, which is effectively around, you know, how do you look at quantifying your spend versus your vulnerabilities versus the likelihood? Um, We even believe it or not, in some of our engagements, we even take it to a point where you can measure the effectiveness are A, of your control, yeah. mm-hmm. but the level of hacker that would need to be able to breach that control. So, again, I think all of the metrics today are there. I think, as we mentioned earlier on, is it's such a fast-moving environment. Mm-hmm. Um, organizations move far quicker than the CISO does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen the CISO's role. There's that famous spider graph that exists out there, which he says, you know, back in the day, the CISO used to have two jobs. Right now, the CISO's got 25 roles, and that's all about bringing people along in the journey and changing the culture and the mindfulness of the organization. And, you know, we appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I, I think that the challenge we foresee is, you know, we want to achieve one thing. We want to stop the hacker from being successful. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have to start thinking like hackers. And I think, you know, coming back to your conversation with the board and the return of investment, I think one of the things is with the customers we're very fortunate to engage with, our litmus is our client when they turn around and they say, you know, I was following this standard or framework and, you know, and I was looking at those technologies. But now that I've managed to look at new age technologies, ones that, in, you know, effectively embed things like artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. machine learning, and I can actually breathe. Mm-hmm. That for me is when, and these are evangelists, right? These are guys that were practicing the, the art of protection and methodologies and frameworks. And they've now gone, you know what? 
I decided to take a chance and I decided to look at this new age approach and why didn't I do it sooner? I really and that for me is, you know, that when we, we see a customer going from frantic behavior to justification to now actually going, I can breathe, I can show return, any question my board throws at me, mm-hmm. I've got the right metrics and matrix in place. Mm-hmm. I'm not just ticking boxes, I'm stopping. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a, very, a very good CISO in the market, one that most, most love to talk to, turned around to me the one day and he said, I had a choice when I was sitting in front of the board. The board said to me, we need you to protect the organization. And he said, okay, I can do it in one of two ways. You can swallow me up with paperwork and I can show you all the governance you want to see or I can protect the organization. And, and you let me do that. And believe it or not, they, they employed another person to do all the paperwork and he <laughs> spends his time protecting the organization. But that is protection. It is defense. It is understanding what... Yeah. The attackers are doing. It's about mm-hmm. understanding your so. That's what he does, yeah. and where you see that mature, yeah. you know, process. And you know, again, like my customers are are a litmus. You know, mm-hmm. when they are the ones that are breathing, then we know we're doing the right thing together. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Are there particular industries where you have to take this more seriously? I mean, I mentioned financial services yeah. is particularly important, but um, if you're a manufacturer of widgets or mm-hmm. a, you make, a, I don't know, insect killer at a factory or something, mm-hmm. do you really need to worry about security? Yes, definitely. And we, we see it in the uptake of, of the conversation of IT versus OT, mm-hmm. operational security, mm-hmm. how relevant that topic has become, how, how companies are now solving for the impact of a mm-hmm. potential breach in, in different segments of, of the business. And, and the whole idea is, is protecting against not just a breach, but mm-hmm. protecting against reputation. Yeah. Uh, productivity and something more serious even protecting against loss of life mm-hmm. if you think about if you think about some of the operational technology breaches out there what the impact yeah. was yeah. you only have to go back to to the gas pipeline being breached in in America and the impact that was to everyday life mm-hmm. so there's an impact to everyday life and not just to data and and more the impact on the corporate world everything's computerized yes. at the end of it, the it's day. come to our doorstep yeah. well, take take transnet i mean let's you know bring it back to our back garden you know nine months later they were still reeling from getting their systems up That's and it. and again it just it shows you how impactful but the one thing we spoke about was return on investment yeah it's exactly the same for the attacker mm-hmm. A, they're automating 90% of their attacks, right? They're not discriminating who the client is. Mm. Um, obviously, in I think in the financial sector, you know, these are the guys spending big mega bucks mm-hmm. on you know how they get themselves secure because money is their thing. I, I love sitting with with a, a CFO, and, and it doesn't happen all that often, but in a manufacturing or in a, a smaller company, and yep. they go, well, we're not a big bank. I said. And, and you're rightly so. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where we as solution providers need to come to the table and say, listen, mm-hmm. we understand you're not a big bank. But when you look at how these attackers are looking at organization, mm-hmm. ransomware doesn't discriminate. Ransomware mm-hmm. says, I know you need to be running. Mm-hmm. I know you need to be. And by the way, I'm going to encrypt the life out and I'm going to mm-hmm. say to you, listen, I need $100,000. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care. They don't care. The group doesn't care whether. And we've seen that happen quite regularly. But I think explaining to mm-hmm. people that, you know, these are automated attacks 90% of the time. Yeah. Mm. The focused attacks go after the ROI. So, sure. again, you know, if you're, if you're spending 100 million rand on cybersecurity, trust me, you're the last person they think about. They'll still try. Mm-hmm. They'll go around some of their innovative. So the automated but, stuff, yeah. 100%. So if you look at where ransomware is today 
and specifically in, it's gone up by 500 customers in one year, right? I'm telling you now, your target is not the financial sector. That will continue to be, but it is the rest of mm -hmm. Of other the, industries. Of the other industries, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So actually the rest of industry yeah. not spending so much might be more vulnerable. 100%. And quite interestingly, your traditional industries, like in the banking industry, you know, they've, they've got years of building out defenses mm -hmm. and, and how they've evolved those defenses, mm -hmm. you know, from the good old traditional way where there was a lot of human interaction. Mm -hmm. What we see in like an industry in mining industries, the new industries that's enforcing protection mm -hmm. and where the spend has increased, they actually are the ones that's adopting the newer ways of defense. Absolutely. Whether being artificial intelligence mm -hmm. and augmentation. So it's very interesting mm -hmm. to see how these new, not new industries, but how these additional industries, what they are using to strengthen their defenses. Yeah. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, there's a methodology to this, right? Mm. You know, we've had all the PhDs and, you know, all those that have studied for years and years. There's a, there's a beautiful meme that's out there as well. The one that talks about, you know, to be employed in a large organization, how many years does it take as a security professional? And it shows like a, I think it's like a 20-year life cycle. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I love that because that 20-year life cycle often is not what it takes a hacker mm -hmm. to be able to, type into chat or into some type of GPT yeah. and ultimately understand how they can potentially be hacked, right? Mm -hmm. So again, the lifespan to build a code is you know, effectively yeah. an hour. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, the lifespan to protect against that code is 20 years. Mm -hmm. So again, return of investment, length of time, skills, um, adopting. Uh, and, and that's why I love in some of these industries where you know, clients are going, I just don't have the time to follow the methodology and tick sure. the boxes. I just want to prevent. Mm -hmm. um, that's where we're finding mm -hmm. our conversations are great because we're all trying to mm -hmm. achieve prevention. We're all trying to enable resilience. We're all trying mm -hmm. to go back to the board and say, hey, look, what I've spent my money on mm -hmm. sure. is working. Um, and that's where, you know, that's where we mm -hmm. see a lot of our customers going, which is great. It's, it's encouraging. Right. We're actually talking today about a very specific aspect of information security, which we're going to dive into in a bit more detail. And I think it's particularly interesting to corporate South Africa. And that's uh, something called security control validation, uh, which CyberOne describes as being of, quote, significant importance. Jason, let me start with you on this topic. What is security control um, validation and why should companies care about it? Well, I'll take myself effectively seven years back. Okay. Right. One of the things that in the cyber resilience and information security space that it was always one of the things we spoke about was doing the same thing, expecting a different result, right? And what we saw in customers' organizations was changing from one tech to another. Right. Um, we know that we're market to uh, by these vendors. Um, and, and again, no matter from where they come from the globe, um, we read all these articles, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And, and the reality is, is, you know, if we look at things like ransomware and we look at how these guys are getting in, it's all through the foundational stuff that we should have been doing for a while. Okay. So seven years ago, um, we, we started a little company and again, you know, we're here today. But the thought process through all of that was, how do I go into an organization and give them the assurance that, that the, the money that they're spending mm -hmm. is actually working, mm -hmm. you know, because one of the things that we see is things like misconfigurations, uh, uh, digitization mm -hmm. and cloud and all these things, this zero day and, and all these methodologies. It's, it's highly confusing for, you know, if we take you out of that large enterprise and we put you where they've all got architects and we put you into a, you know, into a normal organization today, which believe it or not can be between five and 10,000 mm -hmm. users, right? And you, you then present them with all of these fancy jargon. H how do we just break it down to the foundations? 
And it's, you know, the money that you've spent on the existing firewalls, mm. antivirus, new buzzword, EDR, XDR, MDR. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. This, love, this industry loves coming up with 100%, right? Alphabet and it's soup. just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and <laughs> seam and sock. And, and we appreciate it, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're all there and they've all made us money. Yeah. You know, foundationally, however, our customers are not going to continue spending more and more and more. We spoke a little bit about the boards cutting down and yeah. the more you mature. So the, for, the, for the first year, you get the budget. Everybody's excited. We deploy the budget. And then you go, oh, cook. Second year, you've got to justify the budget. You've mm. got to quantify the budget. So, you know, when we start to look at this and, and we look at how the attackers are getting in, I think it, there was a statistic probably 12 months ago. Mm-hmm. 80% of all attacks happen through social engineering, mm. right? So through email. Um, and then all of a sudden you have, now Now we've realized it's email, now we all run to that corner. My point is this, is that all of the technology controls that we're spending money in, how do we know that they're delivering against the initial value proposition we position to the board or to our stakeholders? So, you know, again, coming back is that the foundational controls that you already have in place, how do you know they're delivering against the minimal baseline requirement? Because we've already determined ransomware is getting in through the minimal baseline requirement. Uh, one of the things that we've journeyed into is in API security. You know, how do you know that everything that you're doing in your digital transformation journey is, again, everything is connected nowadays, right? Everything connects via an API. But the interesting conversation is that your traditional controls don't even check mm-hmm. That your API landscape is secure, your third parties have developed. So the reason why we really thought about this topic is the ability for somebody to verify and validate that the investment they make can actually protect them against the latest attacks, against the latest social engineering, against the latest, um, again, these zero-day things. That becomes extremely powerful when I'm actually quantifying and, and I'm providing that metric to my business to say, these are the things we've tested ourselves against. These are the things we continuously, because this is not a once-off event, right? Uh-huh. You know, we've already seen the attacker is moving at light speed and AI and machine and deep learning. But now we're talking about saying, hold on, why don't we prepare ourselves better, but we do it regularly. Yeah. And we provide those metrics to our business continuously. So it's not a once a month or once a every six months we just do a pen test. Mm-hmm. Now we go on and we say the reason why this is important for our business mm-hmm. is that we need to continuously measure ourselves against mm-hmm. um, again, whether it is automated attacks, whether it is ransomware. Mm-hmm. How do we know? How so, do we simulate so, yeah. that? How do we verify? You know, these are the questions we want boards to ask. I don't want yeah. the CISO to ask it. I want mm-hmm. I want somebody in the board to sit up and go, well, how do we know it's working? Right, sure. Because that's what we do. We go into an organization, we go, how do you know it's working? Oh, because that vendor says so. Mm. We're assuming that the vendor is doing all the heavy lifting when we know that there is a IT mm. guy that is configuring certain mm. aspects. And even if you take configuration out, you still need to verify and validate. So that for me is interesting, right? Mm. So, you know, that for us has been, that's been my seven-year journey. We also, seven years ago, walking to customers and saying, let us help you. And they go, no, 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 we're fine. Mm-hmm. No, we're okay. Yeah. I can sleep at night. We go, hmm. <laughs> All right, give us 10 minutes with that app. Can you still sleep at night? Yeah. Oh, no, we didn't know that. Now we go, we'll run into the corner. And even then, mm. when that is exposed, they go, we'll get to it later. Right. Sure. And I guess there's an assumption inside corporates that someone else is looking after it. Sure. When often that's not the case. It's too complicated mm. to get involved with, though, Duncan. You know, we let the IT guys. It's do extremely it. complicated, the subject. I mean, to, to, to figure out 
yeah. where all of your vulnerabilities are uh, isn't a trivial process. I mean, how does a company go about actually doing that? Three steps. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we simulate. Mm-hmm. So we simulate by means of identifying our vulnerabilities, where's our weaknesses, where's our blind spots, and we do that manually or with speed. We do it through automation, right? We then validate so the efficacy. What is the efficacy of our defenses? How are we protecting and how are we detecting? I imagine half the challenge, though, is, is, is figuring out what you have. And, and all about visibility. visibility yeah. It's all about visibility. Yeah. The age-old conversation. Mm-hmm. I love it. The art of war. Mm-hmm. Know yourself. Know the enemy. And the, the, then it's, the outcome's more predictable yeah. in that sense. And that's how we apply it within security mm-hmm. uh, validation mm-hmm. is know what's your weaknesses. Uh, you look at frameworks like the MITRE tech framework, mm-hmm. uh, the TTPs, tactics, techniques, and in the, in the procedures. You go behind the scenes in terms of what's the attacker's playbook? What are the controls that he follows? Mm-hmm. What are the attack parts and the attack vectors that he uses in order to compromise us? Right? So in a sense, you attack yourself mm-hmm. by means of automation and simulation. You attack the specific controls, whether it's an endpoint, a firewall, email, mm-hmm. cloud, irrespective of what drives your, your innovation within your business. And then you validate that, but more importantly, you now say, I've learned, how do I now mitigate? What controls mm-hmm. do I now put in place to mitigate? Right. But then you revisit, and that's where Jason goes, it's continuous. You need to revisit. And so a lot of, a lot of organizations traditionally would do it quarterly, mm-hmm. tick box exercise, but the threat is real. Mm-hmm. You know, the outcomes are real, and hence the encouragement to do it continuously. Because remember I said earlier, business is continually innovating. Whether it's on a monthly, weekly, we produce more innovation. We introduce more innovation into, into businesses. And with that comes new attack surfaces. Mm-hmm. There comes new threats, new vulnerabilities within our business. So we have to do it continuously. Okay. In three simple steps, like I said, mm-hmm. we simulate, we validate, and then we mitigate. I'll introduce a fourth one. We revisit. Okay, and that's a continuous process. You it's have to a continue, keep going back to the start. It's a continuous process because business is not going to wait. Yeah. Well, there was that famous saying done by the head of the FBI at one point in time, right? There's three companies: those that have been not those that have been attacked, um, those that are still going to be attacked, and those that are going to be attacked again. Yeah. <laughs> Th- those are the, those are the options. And I, and I think you know, listening to Clarence now, I think the thing for me that is where we've evolved from and where we're going to is that the, the four mechanisms that we look at always used to need to be done by specialist resources. Mm. We've moved on from that. Five years ago, all of that can now be automated. Mm. So typically when you sit with somebody who potentially is not in the know uh, and they're just trying to do this thing, right, uh, and they want to speak to the specialist, most of the time we always ask who's checking the homework. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and again, so the verification and validation is – the person that's in charge, and we would think the head of IT or the chief information security officer or sometimes the CIO, you know, ask the tough questions. You know, if you're outsourcing or you're insourcing or you're, where are you asking those questions? It's, it's not determining, you know, we've moved on from how many malware instances are hitting our environment. Well, have we test our malware incidents against the latest? Mm-hmm, because, sure. again, there was a, again, there was a, a, couple of, um, a couple of vulnerabilities announced last week which – Got everybody nervous again, right? Yeah. And, and unfortunately, I'm going to 
chat about Microsoft because, it, and don't get me wrong, there's, there were a bunch, there's a bunch of these vulnerabilities. So what happens is everybody goes, whoa, hold on, let's go. SolarWinds, great example. Yeah. The, the point is, I think the, 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 whole, the whole ecosystem has exploded. You know, whether it's third party or fourth party risk, whether we're shifting left or shifting right, whether it is infrastructure here or cloud, I think you know, it's become extremely mm-hmm. complex. And I think, you know, when we look at the way that technology is moving, I'm, I'm a technologist at heart. I, I, I always believe you can bring the human being along on the journey, but I promise you I will still click on that link. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it's Black Friday or it's Christmas or the tax man's giving me money back, I'm going to click on that link, right? And by the way, when I click on that link, you've got varying levels of control. So you need to be thinking about the 80-20 rule is, you know, if that's what you're trying to defend your organization against, which is your human mm-hmm. employee, which mm-hmm. is a great value to your business. You know someone in your organization is going to click on that. Sure. Right? You've got to assume that. Yeah. And I think that's where we see many of our more mature customers saying, I'm going to go through the process of assuming breach. Right. I'm going to go through the process that I know it's going to happen. I'm going to prep my board. I'm going to prep the people that I, you know, get my money from. I'm going to prep them. We're, we're not safe. We're going to get to a point where we can effectively build a process that allows us to be resilient to a point. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, if we are hit, I'm going to show you how we recover. Mm-hmm. It's not about, oh, and, and I think what we're not seeing, we're seeing some really good organizations innovate mm-hmm. very quickly. But those are that are happy to be bleeding edge. And I think the reality is we don't have a chance. We don't, we don't have time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can follow the traditional strategies and we can buy mm-hmm. into the hype that you may see. But the reality is, is if we know that artificial intelligence is here mm-hmm. and if we know that machine and deep learning is here and we're starting to use it as businesses, I promise you the adversary is already figuring out through this indication yeah. how do we use that more effectively mm-hmm. at lightning speeds. Right. Mm-hmm. And eyes on, eyes on screens... Mm-hmm. They've got to be effective. Yeah, yeah. I must ask about cloud because a lot of South African organizations are, are, are moving to cloud. Some are doing it on a wholesale basis. I think one of the big insurers announced the other day that they've moved their entire premises to, to, a, to a cloud, a hyperscale cloud provider. Um, what, what are the, I mean, we talk about security control validation, and I imagine this is a lot easier to do when you have control over your own IT infrastructure. And, and, and you can do an audit of that. But if you've outsourced most of your IT to a, one of these hyperscale cloud providers, you, you're kind of in their hands in terms of them providing security, right? Um, or am I wrong there? Do you, is the security your responsibility still as the organization, even if you move wholesale to the cloud? And, and where does security control validation fit in if you've outsourced all your IT? Well, it's called shared responsibility. Mm-hmm. If you haven't read that three-page underwriting, <laughs> it's like it's like a life insurance policy or a, a you know a short-term insurance policy. No one policy. reads the terms and conditions. If you haven't read the, the terms and conditions, and then you can't yeah. understand why your claim has been repudiated, right? <laughs> um, shared responsibility is the most important mm-hmm. because really what you're doing is you're renting space, you're renting storage, you're using what they. But the information is yours. Right. The securing yep. of that, because we also, there's a, there's a great term that we've seen happen. There's native security controls, right? So everybody goes, well, hold on. You know, some, we're going there. They've got native security controls. I'm going to switch it on. We're good. It's their responsibility now. So, so, think, so think about the topic. Yeah. Is verification and validation doesn't care. Doesn't care if you're on-prem, mm. you're in my pocket, you're, you're running around with a laptop. It doesn't care. 
what it, what it does at the end of the day is it gives the organization assurance regardless of where they go, what they do, host it here, host it there. You know, it, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You're still you're still checking that everything that should be in place mm-hmm. from a control perspective, which again, methodologies, is adhered to. Mm-hmm. You can test it, you can simulate it, you can mm-hmm. see it, you can feel it, and you can report and quantify on it. Mm-hmm. So or, if you discover something wrong in your that that the, the hyperscaler has provided in some in some software that the hyperscaler has provided for you to run your operations it is your onus as the customer to inform that hyperscaler that they need to update that software or, or provide a fix right it, it also depends on on your what is your consumption model you know mm-hmm. like jason says is it are you just consuming the infrastructure mm-hmm. are you actually consuming from a ses perspective meaning the infrastructure and the services mm-hmm. including the platform because it depends on what are you consuming. Mm. Am I just lifting and shifting my data or am I lifting and shifting infrastructure and then using that from a virtual perspective? Mm-hmm. But once again, we, we shouldn't assume that the hyperscaler yeah. is going to do the whole scoot caboodle for me. Right. It's that level of paranoia. Right. It's my data. So audit your cloud provider too when it's you're wrong. doing a security Definitely. check. Well, and... Look, I, I love the cloud. I, th- I think the cloud is great. Mm-hmm. I think the complexities that come with the cloud are spectacular. Um, you know, we see it in our customers today is there are some large organizations that are going, we're going full cloud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are those that have gone, we went full cloud. We're back. And we're back. Um, there's a great article um, from a Swedish firm that went full cloud. Yeah. Um, and by making a decision to come back, they saved 1.5 million euro mm-hmm. a year. Just purely deciding. So, again, one of the things we've got, we've got some really great partnerships that we work with uh, in the South African market. And one of them focused predominantly on infrastructure. And they sit with customers every day talking about, customer will go, I want to go cloud. Mm-hmm. And you go, well, why do you want to go cloud? What are you mm-hmm. looking at doing in the cloud? And I think when an organization decides to go full cloud, right, and we've been in some very interesting conversations, there's, there's two things that happen. One, um, Either they've budgeted and their premiums are going up mm-hmm. <laughs> because they have to, because data is growing at, in excess of 350% year on year. Mm-hmm. What information you're sending there, how do you prioritize that? I mean, from a security perspective, that adds an interesting dynamic, right? But the other conversation we have with the customer is like, well, you know, potentially I'm going to cut you out of the conversation. And I went, that's great yeah. because you're going to switch on the native controls, right? And coming back to the verification and validation is if you think that you're going to competently do that and you're going to be able to do it yourself without verifying and validating and giving the organization the assurance that you've made the switch, you're Mm -hmm. saving some money, which is great because you've cut out the local market and all of those things that we Mm -hmm. want to do because you've you've gone direct and you're now doing. How are you building those things that provide the assurance to the board? Mm -hmm. How are you verifying? You might have saved some money on the bottom line, which may cost in the long run, but... Where's the specialization? Because, again, coming back to the conversation, if we know that these attacks are now being automated, mm. right, and you've just decided to lift and shift. Um, Giving away control. Mm. Well, 100%. So we Invisibility. See, and we see in cloud the number one, and number one reason why organizations get hacked continuously mm-hmm. is because of misconfigurations. And that's you and I as a developer doing our thing in the cloud because I've just spun up a bucket, right? Mm. Uh, which sometimes you don't have control of and then you spend some great money to get control of. Um, but your hands are still in the line that that developer understands security. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't get me wrong, I don't, I don't think you're going to 
just like we're trying to get our employees to become cyber specialists. I don't ever think you're going to get a developer to become a cyber specialist. So as an organization, you need to build in those gates mm. that help you verify and validate mm. that from the time that things, somebody touches a bucket and develops an app or develops a service to the time that it is delivered to the customer, it is safe. I'm sorry, you know, that needs to be done in, in, in consultation. That needs to be done with specialists at the table. Mm. If you think you can do it yourself, I think um, we'll see you in the headlines really soon. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of headlines, I, yeah. I, um, I mean, we've spoken about the how uh, doing a project like this on an ongoing basis enhances your the safety of the organisation mm-hmm. from attack. But what about from a regulatory perspective? We know the regulators are getting tougher. Yeah. Um, if you can show to say the information regulator, for example, that you actually have a very robust uh, validation process. Uh, in your organization to check for, for, for security vulnerabilities and ensure that you're a secure organization. Do you think the regulators are going to be softer on you if there's an incident? I don't think it is a... Everyone has to be treated the same. You okay. know, a breach is a breach is a breach. The impact is is different depending on, on, on what the exposure was, yeah. right? I think it gives the regulator... It makes the regulator's job easier because the regulator is the sharp end of mm-hmm. the sword, mm-hmm. Right. And they are, what they are doing is saying, if you prove to us that you are continuously worried and continuously thinking mm-hmm. about your defenses, it's actually about, it's the regulator looking at multiple companies, yes. right? And they also need to show to government that our, our efficacy within the industry is improving. So you're not scoring brownie points because yeah. at the same time, you are upping your, your defenses and you're making a regulator's job easier. You know, it's like telling your child, mm. if you put your hand in the fire, you're going to burn. If you know you don't have to say it 10 times, mm-hmm. it's going to make everyone's job easier. Mm-hmm. And just to, to put it uh, in, in simple terms. Yes. Well, and I think there's a, there's a behavior that we still see in, 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 obviously in the country and I think across the world, right, is the minute the auditor walks in the door, everybody gets really nervous and you can't talk to the, you can't talk to the CISO for four weeks because they're so busy proving their case. Yeah. And yeah. I think what we have seen, which has been quite interesting, is where some of our clients have innovated by bringing on, again, the technology that is dealing with some of these issues slightly differently is they're able to address, in fact, they're educating the auditor because the auditor's going, well, listen, according to these 25 boxes, which ISO 27,000 tells me I need to check you against, well, mm-hmm. you know, a, a seasoned CISO or an IT manager who has that challenge yeah. can very simply go, okay, from 1 to 12, you're good. And they go, well, well, you need to verify and validate that for me. And they go, no problem. Here's my report. Here's what you need. 1 to 12, we're sorted. Mm-hmm. And, and those are, you know, I think a lot of the time, I still remember working for a, for a vendor for a period of time. We used to have a, a quite an interesting sales place. We used to talk about audit to green or, you know, effectively enable to green. Because, again, the biggest challenge was is why do some of our customers buy? Mm. Because there's an audit finding. So what we really try to attempt with the client is we understand, firstly, what framework they're trying to measure themselves mm. against. We know what the big five, big seven measure you against, mm-hmm. which is typically ISO or NIST. Mm-hmm. Um, so we enable the customer to be able to effectively measure. So if they've built those metrics in accordance with their frameworks and standards, um, when an auditor walks in the door, it's, you know, it's, it's a couple of hours out of their day giving them what they need and saying thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And so, again, coming back to the regulator conversation, that's all they want to know. Yeah. They just want to know you're in control. 
right. and that you can prove that you're in control. So again, coming back to the verification and validation, mm-hmm. you know, I can't imagine what an auditor would say. Say, listen, I'm constantly, you know, yeah. testing my environment and my controls, and this is how I'm building a better environment from a resilience perspective. Mm-hmm. Where they goes, well, okay, well, my job is done here, I guess. Um, and I think that's where you want to try and get your customer to. We have um, advocate Pansy Tlakula coming into our studio a little later this month, actually. She is the chairperson of the information regulator, so we're going to explore these uh, topics in a lot more detail. So it's, I think it'll be an interesting discussion. Giving you some ammo. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I wanted to ask, though, Clarence, let me bring you in here. Let, let, let's say, um, I, I mean, we know a lot of uh, cybersecurity incidents are actually the result of uh, insider threats. Sure. Uh, people copying information onto onto a USB stick, for example, and giving it to a competitor or, or something like that. Uh, there's also human error involved. Sure. Um, but, I mean, dealing with rogue employees, do, doing the sort of validation work, this audit work uh, around your security infrastructure, does it help lessen the risk of human error and or insider threats? It's all about people, process, and technology, right? Mm-hmm. We... We solve for things for things differently, right? Inside a threat being malicious yeah. or not malicious, it goes back to awareness, right? Which is also a validation technique. Mm. It's that human element. Hence, the drive for automation. The drive for automation is so big because we now take away from that malicious employee. Mm-hmm. We make sure that we increase our controls as well. Mm-hmm. So... Just to answer your question is, inside a threat, it's, it's always going to be there because there's always a human yes. involved. And hence, when I was saying about automation, mm-hmm. is that how do we now augment that to take that percentage of possibility yeah. of maliciousness away from, from, the, from the threat? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, think there's a, I think there's a conversation we have with customers around this as well. Um, you know, one of the things that we're looking for, right, is as cyber professionals, we're looking for a needle in the haystack. Mm-hmm. I think it's already been determined that, you know, an attack has been in your environment for almost 90 days before you even think of finding them, right? right? And, you and know, you don't know where to look. 100%. So, you know, one of the things that, I mean, we've spent our time with customers, you know, when, when Pansy and the team were thinking about information regulation, maybe it wasn't even a twinkle in her eye, but, you know, when, when it was being drafted at that point in time, customers started talking about things like data protection, right? Mm. Um, one of the clear things that customers were going on a journey on is, again, a two-year, five-year, you know, some, some are even in a 15-year journey just to classify their information, and I think one of the things that we've seen with, with technology changing and the evolution, so coming back to the people process yeah. technology, is we're looking at behavior, right? So if you think about what an attacker does in the environment, we're looking at the network behaving different. Yeah. We're looking at an endpoint. We're looking at a, a device. and We're looking for anomalies. It's, it's no different when we're talking about you know, information, mm-hmm. um, whether it be PII data, whether it be PCI, whether it be anything personally identifiable, right, is the minute that a user, whether rogue or otherwise, starts behaving differently, at that point in time, behavior has changed. So this is where our conversation with customers come around is when you onboard a resource into your business, at that point in time, we trust you. Sure. Right? It's inherent trust. 100%. At that point in time, you've passed all the gates, you've been interviewed by a thousand people, and you are now joining our business. At that point, right, I'm now giving you a machine and I'm giving you keys to a kingdom. Mm -hmm. What that kingdom is, you define. Mm -hmm. 
So at that point, it's the same as when a vulnerability is born. It's at that point that we should now understand your behavior. And the minute your behavior changes, I don't need to classify you anymore because I've done that because you have access to systems because I trust you. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't need to monitor. Um, I can now actively engage with you and your system because that's how you behave. Mm -hmm. Your heartbeat is normal. When an employee goes rogue, that's because culture steps in. You know, again, people get disgruntled. uh, The company doesn't behave the way it should. At that point in time, that's when the organization should say, hold on. How do I know this is happening? Mm. How do I know it's not? And that's when behavior changes. So Mm. we talk about AI. I mean, that's AI at its best. Mm. That's when when all of a sudden something just changes in the environment that you could never foresee. No no CISO sitting behind a dashboard who doesn't have a behavioral technology in place would know that that change is happening. Mm. So, you know, again, some of our challenging conversations and innovative conversations Mm. are we can try and classify Data changes every day. Data is built on every device that we're doing. You can try and secure IP, but if you've got somebody developing IP in that home, how do you secure that? Let's start at the beginning. Let's get the foundations right, but let's also bring technology to where, you know, one of the things that we talk about in this whole PII space is we want to write policies Mm -hmm. so that we can stop you from doing, but we don't know every scenario. So if I'm not writing the right policy and I expect my technology, which I write policies into to do the job for me, you're expecting the human to do it. Mm. They're never going to know. That policy is never going to know your change in behavior. So again, everything that we do is around behavior. And the minute that that behavior changes, we need to know as a business because then our organization is going to be affected. And humans may not notice that change in behavior, but an AI or some sort of computer system might. 100%. It's all about baselining. Yeah. It's about baselining. It's about establishing what is normal, you know, what is normal behavior, what's Clarence's routine, you know, where does he, where does he operate from, where does he log on from, mm-hmm. right? Uh, what's his normal behavior, what are the times that he logs on, what are the applications that he accesses? So we've established that baseline. Mm-hmm. Now we start looking for anomalies. And yes, there will be false positives, but with the use of AI, you can now start decreasing those false positives yeah. and you can start getting more accurate mm-hmm. in what is risk what is change? I saw a very good video around a Finnish uh, department, a Finnish, Finnish government department that got breached. Mm-hmm. And they asked the head of security, how long did it take you to detect that there was something wrong? And he very embarrassingly said, 400 days. Mm-hmm. When they went back and they did their due diligence or indicators of compromise, what happened? Mm-hmm. 400 days, the attacker was sitting there and we wow. call that dwell time. They were dwelling, they were waiting for the right moment yeah. to exfiltrate <laughs> or to block or to encrypt. encrypt. Mm. So with the use of AI or augmenting AI yeah. within your defenses, it's all about decreasing that dwell time and also decreasing that blast radius yeah. of how yeah. big the impact will be. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully security control validation if you're doing it properly. Correct. It's exactly. going to reduce that time Correct. significantly. Correct. Definitely. I think one of the things, and you know, I hear Clarence talking, and I, I hear the voice of the skeptics. I love the voice of the skeptic. It's like, oh, but hold on, what happens if your baseline is set incorrectly? Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is your baseline is going to already be set. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in very few organisations, the baseline is going to be one of anomaly from the word go. But that's where your policies come in, right? Mm-hmm. 
So your policies in your organization, that, that whole methodology that we've been practicing for, you know, 30 years now without any issue, right? So, you know, whether it's ISO 27000 or it's NIST or it's CIA or whatever the case may be, right? The point is you've already been, so you've sort of set your baseline. Somebody joining new is not going to change that baseline, HR is still going to be HR. You've had 50, 60 people in HR or you've got five or 10 in HR today. They've all been behaving reasonably. You introduce something new, your baseline changes. Mm. So again, I appreciate the skeptics mm. when it comes to AI and altering that baseline. And yeah. I think the reality is you've got to go a long way to change that baseline um, of an organization before you miss it. Before we wrap today, I want to talk a bit about AI because it's very topical yeah. and I think it's got a very big bearing on the security sure. space. Uh, um, we've spoken about how AI can help protect organizations, but at the same time, the attackers are also going to be using sure. this technology. Um, it's, it's interesting that ChatGPT, for example, already allows you or helps you to code. You can ask it to write a piece of code exactly. in any computer language, basically, sure. that you want to yep. write, and it'll do it for you. Um, and, and that's only going to get better as time goes on. Um, as attackers start to use AI tools uh, to, to, to probe vulnerabilities to, to, to I imagine in the future that AI systems may be able to say, well, let's do a profile of this company. It's weak in these areas. This is where we can attack it. Are we heading for a situation where there's some sort of cyber arms race between organizations trying to protect themselves and the hackers who are trying to get in, both sides using AI tools? I mean, where does this go? Um, are we heading into a future where there are machines fighting machines uh, and what, what does that actually mean for the future of protecting customer data? Yeah, Let's just tackle that one. I know it's a <laughs> difficult question. We're talking about the Terminator. I went GPT yesterday for the first time. <laughs> Look, so you're leading the race. 100%. And, and, and again, you know what? Um, I appreciate the Skynet conversations and the Terminator and all <laughs> oh, those things bad. that we see. Yeah. I think for me what, what's important is, you know, if we keep it to the foundations and the fundamentals, we're looking at behavior here. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, I think there will come a point, you know, one of the things that we've seen, and this isn't new, you know, the guys are finding better ways or people are finding better ways to, to code and create uh, mayhem, and, and they will, right? Um, the reality is I believe there will be a machine on machine. It, ha- it, it has to. If you look at digital transformation, mm-hmm. if you look at governments and municipalities, and they're all bringing in automation, home smart automation, cities. smart cities, smart. Yeah. There will come a point when absolutely there will need to be some machine on machine with, yeah. without a shadow of a doubt mm. because there is no way a human being can even slightly trawl through the amount of code and looking for the anomaly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're not going to be looking for anything different. It's just how we look for it and it's how we know. From an adversary perspective, it's speed, man. You know, yeah. now what's happened with chat and, and, and there's another one called Worm GPT and there's a couple of these things out there, right? <laughs> it's called Worm yeah. GPT, 100%. They teach you how to do worms, right? <laughs> and, and other forms of malware. But the point wow. is, is it's going to go there. I mean, yeah. if we assume that it wasn't, I mean, again, it's, you know, you, you spoke about the art of war, right? Sure. I mean, if somebody thought that they're building chat GPT and it's just going to be used for good, um, I think as a human race, we're pretty doomed. But mm. I think we can't assume that you know, effectively that things are going to change. I think the speed of which it's delivered yeah. changes significantly. I mean, if you look at, um, I, again, Facebook is spectacular, but, you know, when you, when you see some of these, these people and how they're using AI, you know, and, and what they're using it for, it's all about the question you ask and it's all about, you know, how you engage and it's all about your level of expertise, which will make that AI engine work better, right? 
the, the reality is, is, as you've said, it, I think there will be a machine on machine. It really is. There really is, actually. It already is. I mean, we said on, on Tech Central and, and our firewall software and, 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 and the stuff that protects our website. And I go in there and I'm horrified when I see there have been attempted 25,000 breaches from sure. Russia in the last 24 hours. <laughs> but it's the machines of the firewalls fighting the. It's all automated, right? It's all automated. Right automated yeah. There is, and, and we talk about this and we've been talking about this forever. There, with the internet, there is no more perimeter, mm. right? You know, we're all talking about fantastic things like Security Edge and SASE, and we're bringing out again more acronyms, right? Yeah. And how are we going to enable the user to log on a network because we're all cloud and we don't have any infrastructure because we're not hosting mm. applications mm. anymore. So you've got to be able to log on from everywhere anyway. So the reality is, is we've got to practice the things that we've always been doing. And we've got to be able to, you know, as these things get released, the one thing is, is as a community and as a government and as a globe, mm. I think there is so much intent to work together. Um, but because of, again, because of politics and jurisdictional, mm. the reality is, is, you know, adversaries realize that, they, you know, they don't have policies that they need to play by. They don't have rules they need to play mm. by. They do this in, a, in an ecosystem, which we still can't get under control, which we, we highlight and we, we search. But I think the point comes down is, is that, you know, we're still doing the foundations and we've sure. got to get the verification and validations and make sure mm. from a foundational machine or otherwise um, that we're fighting with the right tools mm. and we're fighting with the right people. So, you know, we talk about skills shortage. I don't think it's a matter of skill shortage. I think it's really smart organizations have realized how they augment themselves right. with technology, with the people and the processes. You know, having the right people, we always talk about this, having the right people looking at the right screens at the right mm. time, that will help you be far more resilient. And again, even if you don't have people sitting watching screens, how do you measure your outsource partner? Because there was a, I think there was a, a probably three years ago, there was this huge trend. Oh, this is so complicated. Outsource it, <laughs> right? And great, 100%. You're not, you're not taking away the accountability. <clears throat> you may be taking away the responsibility, right? But the accountability still sits with you. So, you know, again, uh, we, we sit with customers all the time. It's like, no, 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 I've outsourced it to John. And you go, that's great. How do you know John's doing the right job? I'm not calling John's specialization. I'm, I'm going, how do you know John is doing the right thing for you? How do you know that that organization has matured or is innovated? Because everybody's a cyber specialist today, right? The message is you have to check everything. Yeah. Because the thing you don't check is where the vulnerability could be. And then everybody goes, I can't believe we got breached. Yeah. And you go, well, anyway. I thought John had our back. That's what happens. People look for someone to blame. Well, and it's easy, right? I mean, we're in a we're in a number of scenarios with customers today where, because of the environment they're in, and because of how their networks have been designed, even some of this innovative technology, with all of its bells and its whistles, is 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 not able to protect the organization. The problem is, is is you know, what do you go back to the you know your your bosses with? Do you go yes. back with, hold on, this technology is really not working for us, mm-hmm. right? And I'm going to put in another piece of technology, and we should be better, because because that's easier to do versus going, hold on, we potentially need to change our entire way of doing business in order to make sure we don't see that happening. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting. I mean, we we're learning every day with our customers, but I think the foundations. Once you've built the foundations, which most of our customers mm-hmm. have, how do you build the checks and balances? And it's not about employing, you know, hackers. It's not about, you know, we've got the, you know, the really good companies and globally and locally, but it's about how do you give your board the assurance mm. that we're building the right thing? I, you know, one of the things I've always said is if an organization implemented a robust governance, risk and compliance 
strategy, they would save money on technology. Yes. Mm. Because you're looking at people, you're looking at policies, you're looking at processes, and then you're looking at technology. Mm. But that doesn't happen. Auditor walks in the door and goes, yeah, that's all wrong. And everybody goes, well, how much time we got? You've got 30 days. Tech. That's what happens. And if you're in the right place at the right time, you close a multi-million dollar deal. That's, believe it or not, that's cybersecurity yeah. where we take our customers on the journey and where they're willing to listen um, and where we can try and augment and help. That's where we find we have really great engagement and that organization can measure itself more yeah. effectively. We could continue with this uh, subject all afternoon, but we, 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 we need to draw a line in the sand somewhere. But uh, anyone who wants to learn more about this topic and about Cyber One, just remind me what your website address is again. So it's c1-s.com. C1-s.com. Correct. Great. And Jason O'Reilly is MD of Cyber One Solutions, and Clarence Birkus is GM of Commercial Sales and Operations. It's been a fascinating conversation. Thanks for sharing your time with Tech Thanks Central. Thanks for today. having us. Yeah, Duncan, thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Duncan.